0: The Dykin comfort pros at Legacy Heating and Air are saving you thousands on select Dykin heating systems. Upgrade to a Dykin high-efficiency heating system from Legacy today and spend the season warm and worry-free. Get thousands in rebates and federal tax incentives, and enjoy flexible financing to suit your budget. Dykin systems deliver unbeatable comfort, cleaner, safer indoor air, and energy savings. Visit com to view exclusive offers and get qualified now. A Cook Family Business.
1: Welcome to football never sleeps and if you're in our neck of the woods, I sure hope your furnace is working. (laughs) I'm Eric Hansen. He's Tyler James. This is football never sleeps and the weather never lets up. We are at four degrees above Fahrenheit right now. And we're talking Notre Dame football with you this week and every week. We're back in our Monday night seven o'clock time slot and we're going to stay here until somebody moves us for some reason. (laughs) Um. We are going to talk about all the newcomers that are coming in with classes starting at Notre Dame tomorrow for spring semester, winter workouts are starting. There's also a lot of key returnees coming back. We'll talk about them too, and lots of other things, including taking your questions and your comments. And Tyler's going to take you through the tutorial on that and everything else you have to do in terms of ringing and liking and all that stuff
0: yeah well first of all make sure you're subscribed to our channel here on youtube Uh, we appreciate everyone who joins us and make sure that they're able to keep track of us even though we're hoping to maintain a regular schedule here into the offseason as long as we can Uh, hit the bell for reminders of when we'll have content Um, and and make sure you hit the like button on this video to show your support it helps get our our our, uh, videos in front of the eyes of more people so we appreciate the help Um, if you are new to the YouTube questions submitting process, make sure you've clicked through to the YouTube site or the YouTube app um, to be able to submit questions. You won't be able to do that if you're just watching us embedded it either on our website, on social media, or on the message board. Um, so make sure you've clicked through. If you're on a desktop of some sort, you should see a chat box to the right-hand side where folks like Jeffrey Stevens and Ryry Dan, uh 42 are, are submitting comments and questions. Uh, and you can do that and then if you're on a mobile device of some sort um, the chat box should be below our talking head so hopefully that that gets you figured out if you can't figure it out um, send me a message on twitter or something we'll try to get you get you rolling but all our attention we have a feed that shows up all the comments here so um, we we try to get to those first and if there's if there's a, a, a lull then i'll look for s- some questions elsewhere but usually you guys do a pretty good job of getting us questions and we appreciate that if you are not a subscriber to insidendsports.com. We continue to run a promo for our YouTube audience um, that you can take advantage of a 30-day free trial to the site. If you use promo code NDYT, when you sign up, you can get free access to our premium analysis, recruiting coverage, and special access to us over on the Insider Lounge, where we spend a lot of our time and share our inside information first. That's where Charleston Bowles is currently running a game thread for the Notre Dame men's basketball game. If you want to follow along with that while you're following along with us here, um, and uh, there's a link to sign up for that uh, that deal, the NDYT promo code, in the video description below. Awesome. So
1: we are going to start taking stock of Notre Dame on the eve of spring semester classes and winter workouts. Uh, for those who care about such things, <laughs> Notre Dame finished 14th in both of the final full, uh, polls When they walk to class tomorrow morning, the high tomorrow is going to be four degrees above Fahrenheit. That's actually an improvement of where we were this weekend. When I went to cover the Notre Dame women's basketball game on Sunday, it was minus seven when I left my car. It was minus six when I walked into Purcell Pavilion, and it felt every bit of that with the wind. Um, But we're going to move on to football. New director of football performance, Lauren Landau gets his day in the sun or in the cold tomorrow with 15 early enrolled freshmen of the 23. Six of the eight transfers are enrolling for spring. Kahanu Kia is back from a two year Mormon mission. He'll be part of the group. Uh, The first thing we want to do is acknowledge that uh, Rod Hurd, the second, committed last Wednesday. That uh, gives the Irish 90 scholarship players at the moment. That's five over the limit for now, which isn't a bad place to be in January. Uh, you don't need to get down to the NCAA max of 85 until the first day of fall semester classes. We had Rod Hurd II on the Inside any Sports Podcast. And if you'd like to hear some great conversation with a really impressive young man, check that out. Um so Tyler I'll start with you. What are your expectations for Rod a northwestern defensive back in 2024 and what are your takeaways from our conversation with him?
0: Yeah, I think he has a chance to be one of the more more impactful defensive transfers that Notre Dame lands. You know, honestly overall one of the more impactful transfers, but definitely on the defensive side I think between Rod Hurd, and R.J. Oban. Those are the two that I have the high ex- highest expectations for in terms of their ability to impact Notre Dame next season. I think there's a clear path for him to become a starting safety alongside Xavier Watts. Um, there's a little bit of hesitation there where how how will he transition to safety after p- spending so much time playing Nickelback at Northwestern? Um, he f- definitely felt confident in that transition. Uh, Chris O'Leary, Notre Dame's safety's coach, was a big – selling point in this process for Rod Hurd Hart- and the ability to get him um, to maximize his potential was the kind of thing that O'Leary has done with Xavier Watts and had a role with Kyle Hamilton, though I think many of us could have coached Kyle Hamilton to be a successful college safety. Um, but the Xavier Watts definitely development plays a big, big part of that at, um, and as well. Uh, I really enjoyed the story, and I think you even mentioned it on Twitter, that He told about when he was being recruited by Cincinnati when Marcus Freeman was at Cincinnati that his dad told him that, hey, Marcus Freeman seems like a great coach, but he seems like the kind of coach that's not going to be at Cincinnati for long because that's how good of a coach he is. And it turns out they were right. And now they get to have a reunion at Notre Dame. So uh, definitely a big addition for the Irish and someone that has a, a, a real chance of making a major impact going into next season. What is there anything that I didn't hit there that stood out to you? No, I, I mean,
1: other than the fact that I think Notre Dame fans are going to love him on and off the field, really impressive young man, Had a lot has a lot of ties to some of former Notre Dame football players from the Detroit area, including Khaled Kareem, uh, who played at the same high school, Farmington Hills Harrison, as uh, Rod Hurd did. It was interesting to hear him talk about the not- Northwestern situation with, Pat Fitzgerald getting fired and you know why he stayed and didn't get go into the portal until after the bowl game. You know, Rod yeah. was one of the players that was in some of those press conferences after the coaching change. Mm-hmm. So it was he's uh, just a really interesting guy and and again, I think he'll fit in at Notre Dame really well. We should mention that Rod and Bo Collins, a wide receiver from Clemson, won't formally enroll until June at Notre Dame. And uh, Tyler, do I want to go into this detail all the way
0: here? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, explain okay. that to people, I think it, I think it's, okay. it might be a little confusing if you just sort of skim through it. So go ahead and let them know. Which we we told our subscribers on the Insider Lounge earlier today about this. So sure, we're fill, fill everyone else in as well. And Eric's done a lot of the reporting on it, so I'll let him. I'll let him uh, fill us in. So so that means six of the eight transfers
1: will be here for spring practice. Now, both Hurd and Collins will be in South Bend. They're going to live locally, but each of them have uh, obligations academically to their old school to get their degree this spring. Uh, Hurd at Northwestern, Bo Collins at Clemson. So they will do that remotely from South Bend. So what does that mean from a football standpoint? No spring practice as participants, but they can attend spring practices. They can also attend team meetings. They cannot attend other team functions like team lifts at the Goog, for example, Googly Amino Athletics Complex, but they can lift there, just not with their teammates and they can have access to new uh, football director of performance, strength and conditioning coordinator, if you want to call them that, Lauren Landau. For, for safety reasons. So they have to lift when the team's not lifting. So yes, they'll be able to absorb the Notre Dame culture. They'll be able to absorb the playbook, get to know their teammates, get to know South Bend and how cold it is here. What kind well, I mean, Rod Hurd knows because he's from <laughs> Michigan. And he went to yeah. Northwestern, but Bo Collins will get um get a new wardrobe, uh complete with scarves and mittens and stuff. And so um so there is a benefit for it, but they just won't be able to go through spring practice, which will provide some opportunities for some others, especially at the safety position. I think Drew Minnick, Luke Talich, and um, Adon Schuler, and then uh, Kennedy Urlacher, I think is more of a project, they'll get some really valuable reps opposite Xavier Watts in, in the spring, and then you'll add those two in June.
0: Let me let me throw this question in from Jeffrey Stevens since it's on topic. He said, "Does Notre Dame allow transfers out to get their degree remotely?" SMH at some and SMH for those who aren't in the in the loop. I shake my head at some NCAA rules.
1: So, in general, Notre Dame wants you to be on campus at least for the end of your career they want you in the classrooms here I mean they may be able to make a deal with somebody but I've not seen it other than during the pandemic there were more allowances and Mm -hmm. this is even for guys like Jerome Bettis that come back Um, they let for example Troy Nicholas Mm -hmm. I think maybe he was able to do a summer maybe one term because of the pandemic but he still had to be here during the pandemic, he actually brought his wife and daughter for one of the semesters because he didn't want to be separated from them. That's why Jerome Bettis was up here, which was a huge benefit to Notre Dame for hmm. him being here. But but that's right. kind of how they do it. They, they have a little wiggle room if it's earlier in your career. But for your classes at the end, they want you on campus.
0: All right. Uh, so let's get back to the the fact that Hurd and Collins won't be here, how, how big of a a downside do you think that is that they're not able to participate in spring football? And it, it, it is the upside of them being here and getting all this other things around Notre Dame at least minimize that to a point where it doesn't make you too nervous about their ability to impact Notre Dame next season?
1: Yeah, I think the kind of the middle ground they picked is going to minimize it, I think, for... Um, Collins, it's probably less consequential for him. I think now he's going to have more competition for his spot, but I think it's less in terms of learning and that kind of stuff, him being able to, you know, and he can throw on his own with Riley Leonard and Steve Angeli and the others. Mm -hmm. There's four quarterbacks on campus for the spring right now. So he can pick one and go throw with them on his own time just can't do it in formal settings. So I think he's going to be okay. I think, um, you know, th- there's more to learning Notre Dame's defense, especially in new position. I think that would have really benefited Hurd. Yeah. But again, I think Notre Dame is going to win out a little bit because they would have had to give Rod a lot of reps in the spring, and this is going to help them build their depth some because they're going to want to be – Mm -hmm. deep there in case there's an injury you're also going to lose Rod after this year most likely Watts Watts does have a um a COVID exemption year believe it or not so he actually has a year after this one but I really think they got the bonus year this year out of him but you do have a lot of young safeties that you want to bring along so that you have a core going forward so you don't have to go to the safety well in the portal every year and and there's some good young safeties a couple of the freshmen won't be here till june and that's uh tay um the kid from fort wayne north johnson johnson and then uh benny powell tay Tay brown benny brown yep Benny Powell. So they both, we can both call them Tay for different
0: reasons. <laughs> Tay um, Braun and Bronte was yeah.
1: That's actually his name. So they're, yeah. they're the reverse. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think of the three, including Kennedy Erlocker that Bronte Johnson is probably athletically the one most in position to help them. Yeah. Um, Kennedy Erlocker has probably played the most safety, but I think he's mm. kind of more of a special teams guy early in his career and then maybe works his way into the rotation eventually. And then Benny Powell was new to the safety position, I think, this year in high school. Yep. So um, so there's going to be a learning curve with those guys, and that's why it's really important that Luke Talich and uh, Adon Schuler and Ben Minnick really get a lot of good learning this spring.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which of those guys sort of edges out the other. Adon Schuler seemed to be in the best position, uh, partially because of health um, uh, in the Sun Bowl. And I thought he performed admirably in the action he got towards the end of the Sun Bowl.
1: So I did a an analysis piece that's uh, for our subscribers on the seven players who could be spring risers depending on how they did with their winter workouts really position themselves do we want to go talk about returnees first or we want to talk about the 15 early enrollees and the six transfers that are on campus first
0: um Tyler. we can or talk anybody about over on the side they can vote too <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about returnees I thought uh, the question I I know you were gonna ask me I, I actually thought an early enrollee was that was gonna be my answer. Um, but I do think there's other guys to choose from um, in terms of guys that that I think have big springs ahead of them. Right. I, I think so. I did seven
1: and I'll say my number one guy on my list was Emil Wagner, even though he didn't start in the Sun Bowl game. He's 288 pounds. He's actually Notre Dame's lightest offensive lineman on their roster. He also may be the most athletic, and I think if he can get a three in front of his weight for the first time in his life, and it's, you know, obviously with Lauren Lamb, now it would be good weight. It wouldn't be milkshakes and french fries. Um, I think he has a chance to be a starter for Notre Dame in 2024. I really like his present and his future, Uh, but he has been he came here in the two sixties. And so he's been working his way up through his first couple of years on campus. He was a June enrollee as a freshman. And then this was his sophomore season. So he'll be a junior academically, a sophomore Uh, who would be your, your pick among the returnees who could have a big winner in the weight room. And it really propelled him in the spring.
0: Yeah. I like your pick of Wagner. Um, I would maybe go with someone like, well, it's tough because these guys are starters, but I I think everything's so up for grabs and that's something I think we might talk about a little bit later is the offensive line. I just think there's so much uncertainty there, um, and I think some guys need to physically develop to establish themselves like Emil Wagner. I think even guys like Pat Coogan and Ashton Craig who've played some this this past season, I think they need to – um, sort of take the next step in their in their physical development to be able to perform in a way that allows them to do that. Um, I think uh, Adon Schuler is someone that I think um, beyond just the opportunity. I think he has a chance to rise just on being acclimated to college football more um, and, and working out in, in in Notre Dame's strength program. Um, Christian Gray, I think, would be someone who I think he's already like he already feels like he's tapping on the window there to be like, Hey, I'm next in line. And I think mm-hmm. he's going to be competing for a, st- a starting spot there. Um, but I think physical development for him can sort of take his game to another level. Um, Bubakar Traore, I think is someone that we were all intrigued by going into next season. I know I'm giving you a lots of names. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to avoid as many names as possible that you already had on your list. Cause I want to give your whole list away, but uh Uh those mentioned one of them. There are those are some of the guys that came to mind for me. Um, but I do think Emil Wagner is probably as good of any of a choice to be like number one on that list because I think that left tackle spot is wide open. Um, I don't think I mean it was nice to see Charles not be in a position to make that start, but I don't think he performed in a way that's like, okay, the job is his. Um, he he had plenty of errors, and that's a first-time starter, so you understand that, but I think uh I think there's there's going to be plenty of competition this offseason along the offensive line not just at that left yeah. tackle spot. I think all five positions there's going to be a lot of
1: competition. I did include one player there for the mental side of the strength and conditioning coach or the director of football performance, which is a big part of it mm-hmm. and also balance. Um, you know, working with a player on their balance, not just strength. This player has plenty of strength that's being a little bit more finesse in some of his duties and so forth like that. Um, and, and there's guys even farther down the depth chart. I don't say that they'll make a big jump, but like Micah Bell was super skinny yeah. coming in the door. KK Smith too. I mean, those guys
0: mm-hmm.
1: just getting a little muscle on them is going to help them compete better for their positions.
0: Yep. And
1: and obviously there's guys coming back from injuries. I try to stay away from, people that were really deep into their rehab um and and there's some guys we really not quite sure about their status yet like Aiden Gobaira uh he's a guy that had the a world of talent before he um and still does before he tore an ACL but it's going to be interesting we don't know his timetable yet and you know how soon he can get, kind of get back in the mix of things mm-hmm. but there's a lot of exciting guys there okay how about uh the early enrollees do we want to run through a list of those or do we want to just uh assume everybody knows who they are Oh um, you to run through the list real quick
0: yeah go ahead and run through the list because i'm sure there's plenty of people that don't know i i have to look it up every time to remember who's okay. all who's all in so so, we're going to start with offensive players first quarterback CJ
1: Carr, both running backs, Aeneas Williams and Kedron Young, two of the wide receivers, Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert. We have the tight end, Jack Larson, offensive lineman Anthony Knapp, and uh, Styles Prescott and Peter Jones. On defense, there's fire. there's a handful of players there, six of them. And that is, Sean, is it Sevillano or Sevillano? Sevillano. Sevillano, defensive uh, lineman, uh, interior defensive lineman. Then Logan Thomas is a Viper. Bryce Young is a field end. Cole Mullins, probably a field end. Um, then Kingston, Villiamu Asa at linebacker, and Kenny Kennedy Urlacher at safety. That means there will be
0: eight enrolling in June. So who intrigues you on that list? Um, I mean, the one that's the head above the others, and this is who I think has a chance to be a, a, among the top risers all spring. Um, it's it's Kingston Villiamuasa. I think he's the real deal. I'm very excited to see what he can do in Notre Dame's defense, what kind of role he could potentially carve out even as a freshman um, in Notre Dame's defense because I do think that he is – Living up to the billing from everything I've seen, um, I know uh, Adam Gourney is based on the West Coast, so he was definitely very familiar with Kingston, um, and the fact that Rivals gave him a five-star rating after his work throughout his senior season, um, I think speaks a lot to the, the talent level that they believe he has, and I tend to agree with him. So for me, beyond
1: Kingston, because that's a really good one. Some of the other ones, Bryce Young, just because he's been such a rapid riser in the rankings and is really kind of growing into his body. Um, And he's at a position that doesn't have a lot of established players, that field end spot. C.J. Carr is interesting to me because he's so well thought of, and yet how long will he be the number four quarterback on the depth chart Mm -hmm. that's kind of curious to me the two wide receivers that are here Logan Sedalte is out in Hawaii where it's probably 100 degrees warmer than it is here in South Bend he's at the Polynesian Bowl but Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert will be here again I don't know that Bo Collins's absence necessarily helps them they probably will both Get a look at the field receiver. Maybe, maybe Micah Gilbert gets a look at the boundary receiver, but they'll be able to get a lot of positive reps there. And and Logan Thomas in the weight room. I don't think he's going to make a move up the depth chart. Yeah. But I do think he can have more of a college body when they start stacking all those vipers. And and we don't know yet um where Kahanu Kia is going to line up. I don't think that was in uh, Charleston's story with Ko. I think um, who, who's Ko is his younger brother who visited this past weekend, who had a really good visit despite the really awful weather uh, coming in from Hawaii with with the dad who is um, the head coach at Punahou School where both of those guys played. But it sounds like Kahanu is line, uh, still – kind of tweener size 230 pounds now was 217 when he was here as a freshman he could probably play linebacker or or viper what what are your thoughts about where kahanu ends up because obviously they have plans for him if you know otherwise they'd say yeah you know you can go land somewhere else because when you're on a more mission you're basically a free agent again
0: yeah i I think he's a viper. I I don't think you have enough depth at that position to just like rule out someone that could potentially be that spot. Um, So I I think that's what he is. I I don't, I haven't seen him. So like it's it's more of a guess than anything. Um, I wasn't in any Raleigh, North Carolina gym seeing what his workouts looked like uh, during his mission trip. But I I think that's, that would be where I would uh, anticipate him going. Uh, I think that suited the way he played. Um, and certainly as a special teams contributor, um, you would think that he could get back into that as well, um, this coming season. So, um, that's what I would guess. The only guy that I left off or that I don't think you mentioned was Keetron Young, um, among the early enrolled freshmen. Oh, I, uh, I did. I said both running backs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you I pronounced the-
1: his name, right. That's <laughs> probably what messed you up.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you listed a lot of guys. Cause I, I have like seven guys listed. And I think you listed more than I have. Uh, so I, I just wanted to say, uh, and I know Jeffrey Stevens says he thinks Kejron Young is a sleeper. I really like Kejron Young a lot. Um, Chris W asked here when was Gabira's ACL, and that was in uh, August. August, yeah. We we actually had the unfortunate pleasure to see it um, in person. It was at a practice at at School Field in South Bend um, when Notre Dame did some of its traveling to local high schools to get some practice in to just sort of get mimic. Uh, Sort of experience somewhere else, other than the Notre Dame practice fields. All right, um, I have some more questions. Do you okay. want to get your questions, or are we Yeah, let's let's, we... let's
1: let's go. We can. Oh, okay,
0: first one I have here is a is a series of posts from Michael Mahoney who sent us a super chat before the show began. So, Michael Mahoney, uh, thank you for for the super chat. Um, let me make sure I get these in order because it's a three part question. I, mean, I think it's, I think it's mostly one question, but it's just long. Uh, how long before they eliminate conference championship games in the NCAA? It will never determine who gets into the playoffs, only determine seating in the playoffs. The game is either not competitive, Iowa, or the loser gets in anyway, Georgia, Oregon. How long before they realize Notre Dame has an advantage to have their bye week during that week that other playoff teams are playing what essentially is a meaningless game, excuse me, Ohio state would almost also most likely have been in the playoffs while resting and watching Michigan play another game. Michigan was number one before the meaningless game and after the meaningless game. All right. What do you you think that conference championships are short lived um, for, for the future of this current playoff system?
1: I don't think so. And and this is why Michael, I think that as long as they're making money, it's hard to make them go bye-bye. Uh, the other thing is the they've gotten rid of the divisions now, and I think that's where it was really meaningless because it seemed like right. most of the time there was an imbalance, and the Big 12 I think was the first one to do it right where they said, well, let's just take the best two teams and have them play for it, the best two mm-hmm. teams. And with as ununiform as these schedules are going to be with how big the conferences are, I do think having a conference championship game to earn that first round buy in the college football playoff is going to be important because for the power four teams, that's, what's going to be the reward. It's going to be a first round buy in the playoff. Right. So I, I think there's some value to it from that standpoint, even though both teams will likely make the playoff, the buy is a big deal. So, um, so that's how I I go with that. Now, if they don't make money, if they're losing money on those at some point, then we'll see a move to probably get rid of them. But when you have 16, 18 teams and you're not even playing the same opponents, I think a conference championship game is more necessary. I That Big Ten East and West thing mm-hmm. was always an imbalance. The, the second best team was almost always in the East division and sometimes the third and fourth team too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how they're going to get rid of it. The Like you mentioned, the money that's involved in those conference championship games uh, goes a long way and making sure that they will continue to exist. Um, I think that uh, there may be times where maybe like the big 12 only has one really good team. So maybe the second team, the loser of the title, the title game doesn't get in. I think it would probably be more rare than not, especially as we've seen the the conferences consolidate. Now you got to remember, but they'll like, be this,
1: big next year too. They're adding all those Pac-12
0: teams, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be yeah. good, teams. right? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you got to remember, like the the original construction happened under a different sort of conference landscape, right? It was it was anticipating there being a Power Five. Now it's really Power Four, um, and I think that that maybe changes it a little bit, but um, I think that we'll probably continue to see those conference championship games. Maybe, maybe they shorten their schedules to say, hey, why do we need to play this many games? But again, I, the, the game numbers is going to be continue to be dictated by the amount of money that TV networks want to pay um, to, in order to have them play games. So it's hard for them to to pare that down because that's part of the assumed value of what these networks are paying for in terms of uh, the, the media rights deals with these company with these conferences. So um, I, I, we could I think there's going to be probably plenty of debate moving forward. And there already has been about like, was not, was Jack Swarbrick smart to sort of give up the ability to be one of those top four seeds um, for Notre Dame to be in this playoff format and be a, have a chance to host a game. If it, if it, uh, is the fifth seed, fifth through eighth seed in in the in this format? Um, so I think uh, we'll have to see how that all plays out. But uh, I always go back to like I think many people just assume that Notre Dame can do whatever it wants, but I think those other conferences can co- sort of flex their muscles um, when it comes to these kind of discussions as it relates to Notre Dame because um, Notre Dame's sort of a little bit out in the wilderness with, with being an independent. There was. I do
1: think that the buy is going to end up being an advantage, but it, w- way back before Tyler was born, there was a point where the NCAA men's basketball tournament was 48 teams mm-hmm. and there were teams that got buys. And often there were upsets of that team that got the buy because that other team was already in the flow and playing. I don't think that that'll be the way it is in football, but really when you look at it, The one, four, and five bracket is basically the same bracket. You're just playing one extra game if you're the five. Mm -hmm. So if you're the four seed, you're playing the same team that you would have been playing if you had been deserved. And same with the one, the bracket is pretty similar. It's just the one extra game. Now with Notre Dame, where I think it gets tricky is what they do with the academic calendar. Because that playoff game is going to be at the end of their exam schedule. So are they going to let those guys take exams early, Mm -hmm. practice that week? That's what's going to make it interesting, especially if they are seeds 9 through 12 and they have to go on the road somewhere to play that first playoff game. Yeah. So, So that's going to be interesting.
0: All right. Uh, let's go to some other questions here. Jeffrey Stevens asked, I read the article on the off season development needs for Bowen and Traore different positions. I realized, who do you see getting more snaps in 2024 before between those two? So the, uh, the trick with Bowen in my mind is
1: how serious is he about baseball? Because their season starts in a month. They, they're, First game is February 16th at Rice. He did not play at all last year. He worked out some with them, uh, but he ended up peeling back from baseball his first year, played some summer league baseball for the Lake County Corn Dogs and did very well with them. Um, But he has a chance to be a starter. He has a chance to be the starting middle linebacker. And if he isn't 100% in it, there are other people – on the roster who are absolutely capable of being that starting middle linebacker. If he is all in with football, meaning baseball, fill it in when football's not going on, then I think Bowen is going to have more snaps. Um, I think Terori is a wild card because he could beat out everybody at at Viper. He could also be the third option at Viper. Right. Uh, but he has a lot of talent. He's 237 pounds. This year, he's played basically one season and four games of high school football because of COVID and injuries. And so there is a lot of upside for him. And this is going to be a real exciting spring. But I think the the if you're a betting man, you're going to bet on Bowen here because he's really on a trajectory to be a starter.
0: Yeah. To the Bowen baseball thing. Like I, my understanding is that he's very dedicated to baseball. Like he doesn't want to have to choose between the two sports. He wants to continue to do both. Um, So unless there's a change there, um, it's going to continue to be difficult for him to sort of be able to do both. And now now maybe he's still doing both and he's progressing as a football player and maybe hurting his baseball trajectory by doing that. Um, But I think I've, I mean, I'm no baseball scout, but I think his higher ceiling would be as a football player. Um, But uh, I know the the professional life of being a baseball player, I think is a little bit easier on the body than being a linebacker. Um, So I think it's tough because like right now I don't see Bowen as a three down linebacker. I think he's more of an early down linebacker Mm -hmm. and someone you sub out. Um, Now, can his development, overcome that yes absolutely um whereas treori maybe he's a maybe he's a third down guy and not a first and second down guy um so i guess if you add the math up there's gonna be more first and second downs than there are third downs <laughs> but um so maybe bowen's the, the right way but to see go i think there. that's
1: what winter workouts is about is getting his body so he can be a a
0: every down sure kind of option yep um so i think um, I would lean towards Bowen, but I think uh, it's definitely tantalizing what Treori can become.
1: And for those people who say, boy, there's been some successful Notre Dame, two-sport guys with baseball and football, it's a lot easier doing it as a pitcher like mm-hmm. Cole Komet and Jeff Samarja did. Samarja would have been a heck of a position. Same with Komet, but Position player, just having talked to Evan sharply, it's really hard to get the timing with your swing and everything else that goes into being an everyday player.
0: Yeah, it's the hitting aspect. Uh, I think we you say position player, you think about, well, I think it's not that he can't yeah. field ground balls or right. catch fly balls. It's a matter of being able to hit at a high enough level that you can merit being out there as much as he would want to be. All right. Uh, Raiden42 asked, can players finish a degree from another school at ND? Is that possible?
1: Well, that's what they're doing. Well, that's what Heard and Collins are doing, but they're not doing it in Notre Dame's
0: classrooms. I think I think the question what means... He's,
1: he's asking about Riley Leonard. Can Riley Leonard get a Duke degree taking Notre Dame's classes? And I think that is possible, but I think he'd still have to finish at Duke. For example, Brandon Joseph, when he came, he took Notre Dame classes. I don't think he's finished either place, but what he told me was it would be easier for him to get a Northwestern degree than a Notre
0: Dame degree. Mm-hmm.
1: He yeah. left
0: before he had a chance to finish either. And, and typically, like, like you said, with the Notre Dame uh, requirements, you Notre Dame wants you on campus to finish out your career. I think there's usually t- schools have very specific, like, end of college like requirements that are specific to their school that so i don't know that you would be able to do that at notre dame that would apply to say a duke or some other school so i think i think i don't think you're, you're gonna like do your last semester of your duke career to get a duke degree at notre dame i think you'd end up having to do something else at duke um now maybe there's an online way you can do that and i don't i'm not speaking necessarily specifically to Riley Leonard. maybe there's other individuals in that in that boat that that could apply for but i think that is something that um it's a case-by-case basis certainly it depends on what the schools offer and what they what they allow i think i think a lot of times we're going to end up seeing my uh, opinion is that at some point riley leonard's gonna have to go back to duke to finish his duke degree rather than end up getting a notre dame degree um because i just think that's more feasible but we're gonna have a
1: chance to talk to him later this month, and we will ask him.
0: All right. Uh, Scott Fegan says, I know it's early and the spring game is still a few months out, but what is the weak point of the team as we head into the 2024 season? For me, the question mark, not
1: necessarily the weak point, but the the position group that has the most questions to answer is offensive line. Yeah, You have five starters, and you just lost – one of the best tackles to ever play at Notre Dame to the NFL after three years. So there are a lot of questions there. That doesn't mean it will turn into a weakness, but it will need to be the surprise
0: right. of the spring for it
1: not to be the weakness.
0: Yeah, I think it, it needs the most improvement, right? It needs to get to where, especially if Notre Dame needs it to be. like the Notre, Notre Dame doesn't have the skill, talent, uh on its roster to have a sort of a shaky offensive line to be able to maximize its abilities uh, as an offense uh quite yet so i think the offensive line definitely has a lot of room to grow um safety would have been the other one in terms of like depth beyond xavier watts i think rod Heard goes a long way in uh, uh, addressing that and making it feel... jordan clark can play some safety too right in, in uh yeah i mean in theory he could yeah uh I'll, I'll be interested to see like how much nickel Notre Dame plays. Do they try to play more base? Um, it seems like a hard thing to do in today's college football, um, but maybe there's a way that they can get those guys on the field um, in a base defense more. Um, I think, and 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 that would maybe reflect a lack of confidence in nickel back. I think there was so much confidence in Thomas Harper this past season that they played played nickel a lot, and that was the best for the defense. Will that necessarily be the case again? Um, with Jordan Clark expected to be the nickel back going into next season, so um, I think that that'll play out. But yeah, offensive line just seems to have the biggest room to grow and uncertainty going into going into the season. Um, not only just because you lose Joe Alt, but there's just movement around everywhere. Even the guys that started last year, uh, who knows if they're necessarily starting in the same spots? Um, so I think there's a lot up for grabs going into the season. Uh, but if you're looking at like star rankings um like you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of talent at those positions just a matter of like can that talent develop together and become a cohesive unit because that's as much as big of an important part of being a successful offensive line as anything all right um rajon said nicholas endy's base no it was this past season but that doesn't necessarily mean um it has to be but i think it's dictated by the talent that underdame has and like if it had a if it had a Jeremiah Uso-Koromoa at rover, right. then you can play base a little bit more. But Notre Dame doesn't. There's not there's not a lot of people out there like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Maybe Jalen Sneed can become that, um, but I, 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 he, I he hasn't necessarily got that point yet. I think the the brightest points in his his career so far have been as a pass rusher and not necessarily in pass coverage, which is what you need to be able to make that rover position uh, a part of a base defense. Right. Jaden Osbury may have that skill set eventually
1: as well. We don't know that yet, but he's an impressive young outside linebacker. All
0: right. Last question I have for now is from Jeffrey Stevens. I heard FBS schools have an NCA mandated cap on the number of early enrollees. So what is this for ND and how close are slash were they to the cap? Did they have to deny any potential early enrollees? I hadn't heard that they
1: had a cap on early enrollees. They used to have, used to be able to either count it on a the previous class or whatever previous for scholarship numbers. Yeah, I I don't think that there's any such cap anymore. I don't think I think they've done away with that. There's schools that have way more than the 15 that Notre Dame has.
0: Yeah, I don't, and they don't
1: have a cap on. Class sizes anymore. You can go over, or there's been a suspension of that cap. You can go way over 25 now because of the
0: transfer portal. So right, because they know you might be losing a lot of guys, so they want you to be able to replenish your your roster or or
1: running off guys like Deion Sanders did.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Making room for the Louis Vuitton luggage.
1: I saw one o- over there that I just want to. I think it was Sergio said. um you mean they can't be around for spring practice? They can watch spring practice, and they can be in the playbook. They just can't be participants.
0: Yep. Yeah, they would be watching sort of like a recruit would watch. Yeah, and the media sometimes. <laughs> well, I don't think they would be.
1: Take they could the write
0: stories for
1: us. <laughs> they, they,
0: they wouldn't be stuck to the balcony <laughs> like, like we would at that time. Uh, so, no, it's not exactly like the media, but uh, at least watching in the same way. Okay, so
1: we will continue. Let's see. Well, you did a couple. Of, you know, we didn't talk a lot about the Sun Bowl game after it was over. You did a couple of film analysis stories. So I want to kind of spin those forward. Anything of note from those film studies that could apply to spring football?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it was offensive line based, which I, I've talked a little bit about. I I didn't think. Ashton Craig and Pat Coogan played as well as you would like them to have played. Uh, I thought, honestly thought Billy Strouth was the best offensive lineman. So, I mean, whose who's spot is he taking? Obviously, Rocco Spindler might be limited in some capacity this spring. I think there was a hope for him to get involved. But um, I think Billy Strouth is going to be hard to take out of the starting lineup. Um, I know that's weird to say when you have two guys that started as many games at guards last season with Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler, but um I think that's gonna be a fascinating part of it. And I he he, mentioned- he did grade out higher than all those guys. And uh I, I thought Charles Jagasile looked looked lost, um which can happen in your first career start. Um but he there were there were a lot of plays where it's like he's going one way, he's going the other. Um and I just didn't see the sort of left tackle athleticism. Now maybe he gets back. I think someone mentioned in the comments earlier that he gets back to a better place after having so much more time beyond his original knee injury um, that he was rehabbing from this past season. Um, we'll see. Um, but I, I I didn't see like okay, there's a there's there's the next Joe Wall too. That's not that's not what I saw. That doesn't mean he can't be way better than what he was in that Sun Bowl game and he if we judge everyone off their first career start, um, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that you don't think will, will, will reach a very high potential. But um, I think that uh there's, there's room to grow there and it it would be, he's going to need to make a, a lot of improvement this off season. And for me personally to feel comfortable, like, okay, that's Notre Dame starting left tackle going into next season. Um, That doesn't mean he can't do it, but um I, I think there's a lot left to prove there for him or whoever else wants to be the starting left tackle right and keep in mind he had five game reps before
1: the sun bowl right start um and for those that follow the pro football focus rankings the initial overnight rankings had him as notre dame's highest rated offensive lineman in the sun bowl game it did whoever, yeah whoever did they had that, the wrong number out of because he ended up being like the lowest didn't he right right <laughs> they had either somebody put decaf in their Keurig machine or, <laughs> or they just um, their contact lens uh, prescription was outdated and they needed to update it, but yeah, it kind of reversed itself. But so I wanted to add that. So I guess, okay. I guess
0: I don't think I, I'll, I'll, thing I had, like Janarian price, I think looked really good. I mean, not that, it, I think probably people saw that in the action during the game. I don't think you needed to do a rewatch of the game to, to notice that but when you watch it again you're just like man he there are a number of runs there where he sort of made things happen out of nothing like there wasn't a lot going on there and he made people miss and and found direction i really like his balance off of contact um so maybe he's finally getting back to where he, he was before his um ruptured Achilles and that's allowed him to sort of look more like the Jaden Price that we expected based off the way he looked at, when he was first uh in a spring practice at Notre Dame. But I was very impressed with him. He, he had a much better game than Jeremiah Love, in my opinion. Um, but that doesn't mean Jeremiah Love can't continue to make strides and and be right there battling him for that lead back role. I think one thing mm-hmm. that I'm excited about is
1: how Mike Denbrock can use those two in the passing game. I think mm-hmm. Jeremiah Love may be on some deep routes, like he used C.J. Sice against Clemson in 2015. And with Jadarian maybe some routes where he gets yards after the catch i i'm really curious to see what that looks like this spring uh, and they'll probably do that on the days where we're not allowed in but, <laughs> <laughs> so okay as we look at the business ahead do we expect any additional transfer portal additions before like the end of the week which would really be kind of the deadline to be able to get in class late now blake group did that blake group i think started on a friday uh of spring semester uh
0: i would say no unless there was some sort of like grad transfer that decided to enter the pool yeah. really late um i, I don't see or that. somebody from
1: arizona or washington yeah
0: right yeah someone who loses their Alabama. head coach and then they get they can get
1: back in there okay and then what what tops Marcus Freeman's to do list these next couple of weeks? I, I imagine they're doing some recruiting this week. Correct.
0: Yeah, they'll be out. Uh, we'll have, we'll have all the information you need to know on, on insideandesports.com for our subscribers. Uh, the coaching staff will be hitting the recruiting trail, hitting the airways tomorrow, um, with some flights out of South Bend. Um, and, uh, getting around the country to see some guys. So yeah, I think recruiting is of top priority. This coming weekend is Notre Dame's big junior day for, for January. uh, And there's lots of guys coming in for that. That'll be an important weekend. But yeah, I think that sort of getting the coaching staff on the same page, maybe fending off any sort of coaching poaching that's going on that could happen with continued coaching carousel across the country and maybe NFL jobs um whether we're talking about assistance and stuff like that if maybe other jobs come calling I think that's that has to remain on the top of Marcus Freeman's agenda so I think those are the those are the things that come to mind mostly to me I mean maybe probably some involvement in knowing like how Lauren Landau is sort of hitting the ground running with the the strength program and how those guys are acclimating to him uh, making sure everything is moving in the right direction there anything I miss It'll be interesting to see if Marcus continues to work out with the players, goes in for those
1: early winter workouts. I want to see if that continues. And the coach is showing up. Now, again, they're going to be hitting the road initially, but eventually they'll be around the players. And uh, obviously they're going to be talking about what the playbook should look like. They've got plenty of time with that since it's January and not, After the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, they've had a lot of condensed timelines in back-to-back off seasons because it was Al Golden you were waiting for and then it was Jared Parker replacing Tommy Reese in February last year. So uh, that's why I said making sure the coaches don't get poached uh, here in this stretch is important so you don't have to sort of make some adjustments on the fly right before spring ball. All right. So do we want to go to questions or jump into recruiting? Um one of the questions is recruiting um okay. Rajan well Rajon asked do you think K Hunter uh the wide receiver from Cal that transferred to Washington is having regrets i mean i, I don't know i <laughs> you'd have to ask him i can't speak for him uh and i think it's J Hunter i think it's J- Jeremiah oh i think he is a mistype yeah, i think oh yeah um, thank yeah hunter uh so yeah i think it's Jeremiah Hunter um i mean Jed Fish is likes to throw the football too so um, maybe maybe he's not too worried about that. I I don't really know. Um, e Olson uh, has has a go ahead. Do you have something on that?
1: I I want to say I have regrets about not naming either of my
0: kids. Rajon, I think it's a cool name. <laughs> uh, e Olson says, "What's a random opinion on stats, rules, policies that you're adamant about?" Mine is that sack yards for quarterbacks should be their own third category, not part of passing or rushing. Um,
1: I like them being part of the rushing stats rather than the passing stats. The NFL does it a little bit differently than the college game does. The college takes it off the rushing stats. I don't, it doesn't bother me that it comes off the rushing stats because a lot of times they're trying to scramble toward the
0: yeah, I mean, I, maybe, like, why couldn't it be a team? Like, you know, when a Neil Anil is a team rush, why couldn't a sack be a team rush? Like, why does it have to go against the quarterback? Because then you sort of lose track of, like, how good of a runner is this quarterback if he's – if he only rushed for 20 – like, Steve Angeli, for instance, his rushing total was impacted by the two sacks that he took, where as an actual runner, he didn't do a bad job. I think he had 50-some yards, um, but his total looks diminished because of the sacks he took, which I don't know that that's necessarily Steve Angeli's fault all the time which makes Riley Leonard's rushing numbers look
1: monster if you take right. out the sack totals. Although he didn't get sacked very much this year or in his career, but you take out those sack totals and his average goes way up. And Jaden Daniels, my goodness, he, I think, led the country in yards per carry. Now, Jay- yeah. Jalen Milrow, that's the guy that that really got hurt by the sack yards.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I think – this is maybe getting too in the weeds, but I I like to know the difference between rushing yards for a quarterback on design runs versus scrambles. Um, I don't know how, I mean, I I don't, I don't think it would take too much work. I mean, sometimes quarterback draws can confuse people. Um, Like it's like, was that a draw or was that, was that a a scramble? Um, But I think that that's another thing that maybe getting two I I think targets are like, they're done on most box scores anymore but i don't know how accurate they are i wish that was more accurate quarterback hurries i think it it, it that it's so subjective yeah that varies for widely. there are so widely. stat crews that
1: are out <laughs> getting popcorn when they're supposed to be doing that
0: and i think i think like to relate that to another sport like basketball with assists i think there's like a lot of debate of like was that really an assist or should have got should that player gotten an assist i think that's one of those things that's different.
1: the funniest stat for basketball, and then I'll go back to the rushing yardage here. The funniest stat for basketball is covered in Indiana. And Bob Knight's son, Pat, was playing for him. And Bob was trying to tell us that Pat led the country or led his team anyways in assists of the assists, that he passed the ball (laughs) to the guy that got the assist. It's a hockey assist. (laughs) I was like, no, (laughs) no. Uh, You know, and Pat Knight was a very likable young man. And so you wanted to root for him, but not even I could give him (laughs) credit for that. (laughs) Um, As far as the subtracting the sack yards from the rushing, when you do go to the stat broadcast site and Mm -hmm. do the live stats, it does calculate that during the game. It it subtracts and gives you what the raw yardage rushing yardage would be without those sack yardage on there so maybe that should be in the official stats at the end of the game maybe they should keep that so you could see it easier
0: yeah yeah because it'll be like because it's normally listed with uh total and then net. um and so you see the law lo- you see the loss as well but sometimes a loss could be a quarterback run for a loss and not a, a sack for a loss so it's not it's not clear exactly what came from sacks Um, the other question I have is recruiting related. So let's, let's actually, let's circle back to that once we get through some of these recruiting topics real quick. Okay. Upcoming
1: junior day. So that's Saturday. Yes, correct. How many and how good are the visitors? What's the quality quotient? What's the quantity
0: quotient? Uh, very good. I think currently we have confirmed nine, 2025 or 2026 targets, uh, six in the 2025 class are rivals two fifty. Those are the uncommitted guys. Most of Notre Dame's commits um, will be uh, will be joining the the targets on campus, so that's that's a good thing. Um, I think there's two rivals, 100 guys, and Owen Striebig and uh, the offensive tackle from Wisconsin, and Dalen McCutcheon, the wide receiver um, from Texas. Uh, so yeah, I think those uh, that's the bulk of what we're expecting from the junior day. Um, the question from Jeffrey Stevens was, do you expect any commits from the upcoming junior re- recruit weekend? Um, I wouldn't be surprised by that. There's a lot of guys on that visit list who have been here a number of times um, and you could see their recruitment um, winding up. But um, Owen big is someone I've had a Rivals future cast in for Notre Dame. Uh, Jerome Bettis Jr., the wide receiver and, and son of Jerome Bettis, um, I've had a future cast in for Notre Dame. So maybe those guys have seen enough once this visit happens and decide to jump jump aboard because the class is filling up. They're over probably halfway full. I think it's 13 commits right now if I'm if I'm if my math is correct. It, it it's been changing um even rapidly here in the last few weeks. So uh I think there's a chance that Notre Dame's class continues to grow coming out of this coming weekend. And why I was kind
1: of giggling was Deuce Knight's reaction to Owen
0: Strebig. oh yeah saying
1: that he had a great visit at Wisconsin. Maybe I should stay home. <laughs> And there was the emoji of the, you know, laughing so hard you're crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night. I thought that was a pretty good reaction.
0: Yeah, I was like, well, that's a good way for Deuce to make some enemies in Wisconsin because there's <laughs> probably play Wisconsin fans that didn't like that. But uh, Deuce has been very vocal about trying to get Owen in Notre Dame's class, and uh, you can understand why. As a very talented offensive tackle, that's pretty smart quarterback to be very um, supportive of the offensive tackle that that is potentially going to join you.
1: I think Notre Dame has one player actually playing in the Polynesian bowl, Logan Sedalte, who's a June enrollee. He's from California, uh slot receiver. I guess he could play outside as well. Uh Kingston Viliamuasa got selected for it, but I think because he's here, he's not going
0: to be able to go out there, is he? I think not he's for, I think I, I think oh, he's, he's gonna to go, go just there. for the day. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly his itinerary. I I don't okay. know all that information, but Um, My understanding was that he was going to be able to be a part of whether it's practices or ceremony. I don't know exactly what he'll he'll be doing down there, but I think he is going to be starting things here and then getting back out to Hawaii real quick.
1: Yeah, well, that sounds like a good plan for everybody, given the (laughs) weather here. Um, And then uh, is Notre Dame still in in the running for the 2024 recruit, um, the cornerback? That was making visits this month.
0: Yeah, as far as I know, I haven't I haven't been tracking. I know he's supposed to be getting on campus later this month, um, so I haven't heard anything um, that like he's. So he would be visiting the weekend after this one. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yes. Okay, and um, what... it might even be a, a, during the week. I I don't even know. I, I he might. And this is Kevin was... Humes. Kevin Humes is who we're talking about, sorry. Or no, Deb is it yeah is it kevin yeah kevin, kevin and his, his nickname his nickname is kerm um uh, so a lot of people call him kerm but yeah uh i don't remember the date for some reason the 24th is in my head and i think that's the that would be the middle okay, of next mid-week. week um but uh i well, he was fitting so many official visits in, in a small window so so i think someone was gonna have to be a midweek so um we'll keep everyone updated on on the status of that on the insider lounge as as it gets closer um, but yeah, that's really the only the 20 the only 2024 name to to know there and I'm not saying that necessarily he's going to end up at Notre Dame, but that's just the one we're continuing to monitor. And um
1: outgoing transfer Bo Barnes picked a school today. He's going to UMass, which is where a couple of former Notre Dame cornerbacks played last year, Noah Boykin who's out of eligibility, Isaiah Rutherford, that was his third school. He played at Arizona between Notre Dame and UMass. I think he's got one year left. But that leaves only three of the 14 outgoing scholarship transfers still shopping for a school, as well as walk-on skip Vilata, who's looking for one as well.
0: Yeah, well, I saw that. I was like, who's on the UMass staff that keeps getting all these former Notre Dame guys? And none of the names stuck out to me. It's like I don't, I don't know why Michael Livingston, the current defensive backs coach at UMass has any connection to Notre Dame, but maybe he does that I'm not aware of. Uh, But, yeah, it's interesting that so many of those guys have ended up out at UMass. Well, they can play there, but they're not very – I mean, it's not a very good program. (laughs) No, no.
1: Charlie Molnar was the head coach there for a couple years. Maybe he uh,
0: (laughs) – It's the the Charlie Molnar (laughs) transfer uh, endowment (laughs) from Notre Dame. (laughs) Right. So did I forget any, any recruiting news? I don't think so. I think that's everything. Um, we'll have plenty of coverage this week about where Notre Dame's coaching staff is out on the recruiting trail. And then uh, previews of the visits coming uh, in, like you mentioned earlier, Kia spoke with Charleston Bowles today about his visit this past weekend. Um, so go ahead and check out that on the site right now, if you have not done so already. Sounds good. Um and I want to thank Legacy Heating and Air.
1: I want to thank everybody for all their questions, for being so nice to us and not making fun of my mispronunciations. <laughs> and uh,
0: Tyler, I'll let you close it out. Yeah, uh, we appreciate all the question submitters, the qu- the comment submitters. We hope you guys have a great week. Um, if you're not subscribed to the channel, make sure you've done that. Like the video, turn on your alerts. Um, Larry says, where is denbrock Not a word from him. He is expected to be recruiting with the coaching staff. He was announced as an official member, so um, nothing to see there other than we just haven't had a press conference with him yet. Um, but I'm sure that'll happen at some point. I think his ability to get on the road recruiting is probably more important to the Notre Dame coaching staff than to spend time with us the person um, with
1: the answer to the question, when is on vacation? I found <laughs> out. So we will find out when she gets back from
0: vacation. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, if you are not a subscriber to the website, we hope you consider taking advantage of our 30 day free trial to sports.com Use promo code NDYT, which is exclusive to our YouTube audience. Um, and you can sign up for free access to our premium analysis, recruiting coverage. And special access to us on the Insider Lounge, where we spend a lot of our time, and we'll be updating guys coming into campus for the Junior Day, and then reports of what's going on with them coming out of that Junior Day visit. Uh, so uh, lots of plenty of lots of content to come, especially on the recruiting front. Um, and there's a link to sign up for that in the video description below. We'll be back here, Football Never Sleeps, next week. We'll have an Inside indie Sports podcast later this week on Thursday. So hope you check that out as well. Um, And we will talk to you soon.